Welcome to Copilots, the podcast where we read not just the first episode of a webcomic, but also the second. You took my part of the intro. That Sorry. was very, very rude. Sorry. We could, we could go again. Nope, it's good. No, this is, a, this we, is a different episode. It's fine. No, we could go again. No, no, no. This episode's special. No, we it's can fine. Go, we can go again. <sighs> fine. Welcome to Copilots, the podcast where we read not just the first episode of a webcomic, but also the... Se- Wait, did you say webcomic? Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, Because sometimes the first episode just isn't that great, and you, you need to read the second... And here, we take that chance for you and let you know if it's worth reading more than just one episode. I'm just as long as me and my co-pilot, Josh, and I'm greatly confused, but on this episode of Co-Pilots, we'll be talking about the webcomic Marionetta? First, before we get dive into Marionetta, happy three-year anniversary! Copilot now is officially three years old. And as you probably just noticed, what was that? That's right, a new, better opening. New intro music? Yes. Do we have new outro music to go with it? You'll have to stick around and find out. But we do want to shout out Jack's Game Face over at twitch.tv backslash Jack's Game Face for the new tunes. Uh, yep. Check his stream out. He's a cool dude who does cool stuff. Makes great music, as you just heard. And... So, yeah, this is a, a webcomic. Specifically, it's a webcomic on the Webtoon app. I think they can also be accessed on a desktop or they computer. They can of some be sort. accessed on desktop because I read God of High School on desktop. And Webtoon in of itself isn't necessarily the best webcomic thing to read, but it is large in its scale at this point. It's kind of like Shonen Jump of the webcomic world yeah they're not pro- not they're... like in that they curate the same type of mm-hmm. style of stuff as shonen jump but just in like when you mention webcomics people think webtoon whereas like yeah. you mentioned manga people think shonen yeah like it's big enough it distributes a lot of it and while it has issues you also find some good shit on there so as you may have heard if you listen to the in the cockpits we were looking to do a preferably book that was our that was our hope for this episode. That was the big three-year anniversary plan. Read a book that has episodes instead of chapters. Or episodes instead of book entries. But we couldn't find that. But I did get an update on Webtoon that reminded me, oh, fuck. They call their chapters, as I would normally call that for a comic, episodes for most things. I assume it's the, the basis heading on Webtoon, but uh, the author of what we're talking about today didn't change it. So their episodes... Fuck yeah. So, we are reviewing Marionetta, as Justice informs you, a webtoon original by Miriam Bonastre. I hope I'm pronouncing that last name right. I think there's a... I think it's Miriam Bonastre Tur, because I see A-T-U-R as a separate name after Bonastre. Uh, maybe. I'm just looking at the title card for the for Marionetta. I was looking at their name on the About section before I clicked through to the episode stuff. That makes more sense. I mean, I would go with what's probably on the card, because they're the one that designs that. So I would say Miriam Bonister. I'd say you're more correct than I am. 
Fair enough. And Marionetta opens with a solid black panel. Mm-hmm. And this is actually something that I, I haven't read a lot of webtoons. Yeah. I haven't read a lot of web comics. Yeah. I've literally like read like a good chunk of the first part of God of High School up mm-hmm. until they go into a different world and Oh yeah, yeah. Um they they, they, they took away what I loved of God of High School. Mm-hmm. And Maybe one other one I can't remember, but I haven't read a bunch of web comics. Yeah. That said, on webtoon they are designed in such a manner that you don't actually have individual panels; you just scroll. Yes, it is all scrolling down. Now a lot of it is obviously dependent upon the author. Some of them still do a panel setup, so you just scroll down to a new panel. Some of them they just do it as all one long art piece. Basically, they still, from my understanding, upload it as individual pages, but it's a long continuous piece of art that they've done. Yeah, and this has like some like obvious segments where the pages mm-hmm. are different pages. But they use the fact that our viewing device is a phone, mm-hmm. and the way the app works, that you just scroll down as a way to frame some of their shots really well. For instance, this first start, as you scroll down, you're shedding light down from the top of a tent into like a mirror and it looks like a harlequin with a mushroom style hat on and it's the inside of a circus tent but like you're descending from the top of the tent down with the light yeah uh though i would say i wouldn't say that's a mirror i think it's a backboard for a throwing style you're you're right because there are knives sticking out of it you are right i thought it was a mirror but you are correct and that makes the next scene look make so much Mm -hmm. more sense and we can see that this appears to be during a show because there's a bunch of people sitting in stands in the background Mm mm-hmm and there's a single text bubble in this, and this is Julia. What have you done? Mm-hmm. And we scroll down a little bit more, and we get like an image of a bloody knife sticking out of a figure. We can't actually see the figure very well. We see a shoulder and what seems to be hair, and a knife sticking out of what, where the face would be, mm-hmm. and then a, a bloody hand in the next panel, which and seems to be the same person with the knife because it is both these. We can see the backdrop of the what I assume to be a stand, the knife board with mm-hmm. like the lights on and stuff, and then we scroll down and we see. The front of the face of the woman in the Harlequin outfit. Yep. And then we can see behind her and her friend is saying, did you, did you just kill him? Mm -hmm. And Julia is like red in the face and crying and like. I mean, she's, I think the red in the face comes from makeup because it looks like she's meant to be. So her Harlequin outfit, she's wearing a giant toadstool as a cap. Yeah. So I think that the red in the face is literally like. Makeup. Makeup done because we also see white spackling. That makes sense. On the face for like freckling of it. And. So I would assume that like whoever she may have just killed is like actively her partner in her in this act because we can see in their original shot and in their shot with their glove hand that they have the similar like frills with bells on the end that her outfit has. Yeah. And it seems to be the same blue slash greens of the color. Yeah. And then as we scroll down past that, we get the title card, Marionetta by Miriam Bonastre. Yep. And then we scroll down to a white screen that says months earlier. And as we scroll... We get a single panel of a bus that is mostly filled up with people. Mm-hmm. And then Julia is saying, oh, no, we'll miss the bus as she runs towards it. Yeah. So Julia and her friend are running to catch up to the bus mm-hmm. because they're late, obviously. And the bus is like, so a lot of this is like the art style is not what I meant to say. The style for like the world is like, I would say early 1900s ish almost, but like. It's got an industrial revolution vibe to it. Yeah, but with like slightly more advanced, but still weird. If that yeah. makes sense, like it, it's slightly off from that, but it heavily gives those vibes. Yeah. So Julia and her friend are running after the bus mm-hmm. as they leave their job at a uniform manufacturing building, and they're chasing the bus down. The bus breaks. 
And the, those drivers really gruff with Julia. He's like, yeah, you know, you could be on time, right? And then her friend, whose name is Camilla. Camille. Or Camilla. I mean, it depends on how you choose to read it. It's K-A-M-I-L-L-E. Mm, yes, Camille. Yeah. Sorry. Her friend Camille shows up behind her. And those drivers like, oh, Camille, you're so sweet and adorable. Of course I'll wait for you. Yeah. Did, did, I mean, we, we can see that that's kind of the vibe of your character initially, because even as he's, like, complaining to Julia about mm-hmm. arriving next time, we see Camille arriving in the background shot, and we see other passengers pressed up against the glass with little hearts drawn next to their head, like, big smiles staring at Camille. Yeah. And Camille's like, oh, it was my fault. I made this flower, and I had to go back and get it because I forgot it, and Julia yeah. came with me. And the flower is this little patchwork thing made from, I assume, scraps from the factory. Yeah, she's stealing, because if you're not stealing from your employer, you're not really participating in capitalism. True. Uh, my <laughs> This is... My biggest issue here, though, with that is that that flower doesn't feel like it could be made in that factory from what we see later, because the factory, they're making military uniforms yes. for the Callgrast Army. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming the people we see in this bus in a moment, they're wearing dark gray uniforms, very military. I'm assuming they're the military. And we see that all of these uniform workers are wearing lots of gray. And the only splash of color we see in anyone's uniform is Camille's yellow ribbon, which doesn't seem to be part of it. So I don't know where she got these colorful fabrics at, because it feels like the factory shouldn't have those. Yeah, because the military uniforms are like a dark gray, black. Yeah. And then the worker uniforms are like a lighter gray. And then white undershirts, yeah. Yeah. So they get on the bus. The driver tells them to sit sit somewhere. Mm-hmm. And they look around, but there's no open seats. And then they find an empty seat. But there's this guy sitting next to it who has a like badge in his on the middle of his forehead. And it's tied there. Yeah. And Camille and Julia kind of whisper about him because apparently the rumors are that people that wear those badges have a third eye. The Akan, I think is how we'd say it. it's A H apostrophe K O N. Yeah. Or the Akan, but I think Akan is correct. Um, and they're supposedly dangerous. It's a lot of um, xenophobia going on here. Yeah, yeah, there is. Uh, a lot of it's coming from Julia. Like Camille hasn't really said much about it, but like Julia's telling her to, like stay away. That are dangerous they shouldn't be allowed to travel with normal people and like yeah then julia kind of looks around the bus and she's like wait why is it so crowded today it's never this crowded also why is everyone being so much louder than normal i already hate them they're already all annoying but why are they even louder and somebody chimes out of course you wouldn't know but it's the last day the circus is performing in town Mm -hmm. and they're all going to the circus and julia's like it's a work day we have work tomorrow what are you guys doing we just got the new order for uniforms you're all gonna be hung over at work and the rest of us are gonna have to work twice as hard to keep up with production yeah and the the guy who called her a stick in the mud and he's the one who told him about it she's like yeah that sounds like a you problem i don't give a fuck which I, is also the correct way to approach work i'm not going to work drunk am i it's not my fault that yeah that I'm, a, I'm gonna be hung over oh no their problem not mine yeah and I would just like to say, I really love, like, before we get deal with the whole man with the badge of con guy, mm-hmm. we get a shot of the bus, like, all the people in the bus. And I think it does a really good job of kind of letting us in on the characters' ages, strictly because they look rather young. Mm-hmm. But we can see a very large variety of different people who have very obviously different ages wearing the same work uniforms. Yeah. But we see that it seems to be leaning a bit more towards adults. So I'm assuming they're like late teens after this point. It did a good job of kind of giving me their age without outright stating it, in my opinion. If that makes sense to you. Out of the 23 people we could see on the bus, six of them are not wearing mm-hmm. um, work uniforms. Two of those six are wearing military uniforms. One of them is the Akan guy. 
One is an old woman, looks like a grandma style person. Uh, another is an older man with a beanie, looks yeah. like he's straight from Seattle actually. He does, he really does. And then there's a couple at the very back of the bus sitting next to one of the military guys. Yeah. But everybody else, yeah, looks like teenagers. Or young adults, and then there's like a middle-aged lady. There's also like two children-aged people, one standing next to the first military yeah. officer, and one next to the guy who has a bottle of champagne or beer. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, like you said, most of them are teenagers, which there's some more that we get established in the second mm-hmm. episode that kind of maybe explains why. Yeah. But the people on the bus convince Camille to come with them to the circus, and Julia's like, we can't, we have work tomorrow, and Camille's like, but tomorrow's my birthday, and I don't want to go home yet. And Julia's like, sorry, Julie? Julie. Julia. Julia. I was right the first time. And Julia's like, fine, because it's your birthday, I'll go with you to the circus. Well, I like just the dialogue there, because, like, Julia's really interesting, like, the circus are for slackers and stuff, and goes like, yeah, but I don't really want to go home. Kids, kids, slackers, and drunks. It's my birthday tomorrow. You can just come with me to the circus as, as a birthday present. And Julia gets, like, this really intense glare with, like, the classic anime, like, we've added shadows under to, like, the eyes, and the background's gotten purple and dark. I already got you a gift. I already made you a gift. Which I, I think is a bit more potent yeah. than got you. And then Camille's like, but you always end up having fun when we go on adventures together. And Julia's like, this isn't this isn't like running off into the mountains and looking for bugs and stuff. This is the circus. And it's equivocally a crazy party in the middle of the work week with a bunch of drunk people. It is both irresponsible and dangerous. And then Camille manages to get Julia to agree to it, though, like you were saying. But she does it by, by doing that classic... Oh, well, I guess I'll just go alone type of thing where she's like, well, if you're not going to keep me safe, I guess no one will because I'm going to go anyways. It's very bad friend stuff. It's, yeah. She's, yeah, she's being is. highly manipulative. Yes. And so Julia's like, no, that's worse. You can't just go by yourself. And yeah. And also here we uh, get Julia's last name. It's Lazaret because as they're getting off the bus, we have some random person in the crowd being like, oh, you're coming and you convinced Lazaret to join. Now that's a feat. And then we break into another panel and I really love this panel because, like, it mm-hmm. starts with a big tent at, like, the, the, the center of the circus. Mm-hmm. But as you scroll, we get to the entrance of the circus. It's literally pulling it in from the background towards the full gr- to towards the foreground, like a panning down shot. Like, that is one of the great things I love about some really well-done webcomics on things like Webtoon. A really good artist or author who's used to doing it in this style knows how to, like, use the pan down effect as a camera angle or camera work. And it's fantastic. And we get the sign for the circus that says, Anton Griminger's Traveling Troop. Yep. Um, we then get a page break, and we start at the entrance sign. We can't read the sign anymore. We're looking at mm-hmm. it from the other side. And Julia's being dragged into the circus by Camille. As a bunch of their co-workers are trying to gain Camille's attention, but she's ignoring them to drag Julia inside. And then, again, just a brilliant use of the scrolling of the mm-hmm. webcomic. We just scroll through the tents as Camille and Julia stumble through the crowds and we get inserted panels of what's going outside the tents yeah like pop out panels where it's like overlaid with this movement through oh here's the strongest man in the world he can lift five Mm -hmm. people at once and we also see it's going that like camille's heavily invested she's snacking on things she seems to be more interested in Julia seems very annoyed slash frustrated by people, and they're slowly getting separated in it Mm -hmm. and eventually they get fully separated Mm -hmm. and Camille doesn't even really seem to notice. Yeah. But Julia, Julia sees a tent for a fortune teller, and she's immediately like, how is that even legal? Like, that's that's very superstitious and very magic, and magic's illegal. And so- Yeah. I, I, her exact line is, isn't 
that too similar to magic that superstitious nonsense is illegal yeah and then she realizes that she's lost camille and we cut to a, a man who's um introducing himself as the tamer of wild beasts and this is his wild beast show and then we pull out from an intense zoom in on his eyes he just has a bunch of dogs but tiny, tiny little puppies. puppies it's adorable and he's asking for a volunteer and Camille's stepping on stage and Julia's just like, I'll sit and wait for you on that bench over there, okay? Yeah, and Camille's just like, sure. And so Julia sits down and she's like, oh, well, finally I get a break. I can sit down. And she immediately gets like squeezed into the bench by a man and a woman on one side flirting and then a family on the other. And she's yeah. just like trapped on the bench and can't get up. In a very comedic pose because like, she's like, man, I can finally rest. It's stretching and then mid-stretch arms all the way up above her head gets squished to the point where she can't put her arms back down. Just an amusing shot. I enjoyed it. So she then screams, why did I come here? We get, we get the setting sun in a panel mm-hmm. and then she's lying on the bench and she's like, I hate this. Where did Camille go? Yeah. Um, and then she's distracted by some kids yelling in the background. They're and- attacking a clown. Yes. The one is riding him, another is pulling on his ankle, two more are chasing after him, and they're yelling at him to have a horse race. Meanwhile, the clown's just like, don't be careful, don't clown me, please leave me alone. And the kids are making fun of him for crying, even though he's not, he just has like crying makeup on. And then Julia's like, you little brats, behave yourselves, stop making a fuss, where are your parents even at? And like, she goes full like, like, she's called a stick in the mud for, yeah. for a reason by the others, like she scares the kids off. One of them calls her a witch, and she goes, oh, I feel so much better now. And then the clown, she's like, thanks for helping me. She's like, oh, you're not you're not getting away with this that easy. You also caused part of that problem. You're, are you incapable of dealing with children? Isn't that, like, literally your job? And then she's like, whatever, I can't fucking deal with you. I gotta go find that this girl. Talking about Camille, she just doesn't say it. And then she starts there. calling Camille's name while walking around. Yep. Meanwhile, Camille is finally finishing up with the master of wild beast and she loses herself in the crowd again hey hey no first off i have to say these are good well-trained puppers and they're very adorable i can tell you this because she is shaking one of their little paws as she descends the stage and she, she says bye-bye little guy and he's just yeah like, and he's wearing a little bow tie but my favorite one though my favorite is you can see like a little beagle pup just dangling from the wild beast master's beast tamer's arm yeah just like just two little paws hung over. The guy has his arms stretched out. Because she's like, I'm happy here. This is dope. So then Camille gets lost in the crowd and she's like, wait, where did Julia say she was going to be? Mm-hmm. And then she bumps into a masked man and knocks herself on the ground. And the masked man starts to apologize saying, oh no, it's our fault because it's him and a masked woman. Mm-hmm. And they're both wearing very flamboyant, but like... <sighs> they're stylized Harlequin outfits, but not yes. like the striped Harlequin outfit you would imagine. They're like almost tuxedo or matador style Outfits. I would say his is very matador-esque because you yeah. have like some golds and it's predominantly black. But then he has like almost a musketeer type hat on, I would say. Like it's big, it's large, and has plumage on it. And then the woman behind him has this large golden evening. hair. And like black evening gown or mm-hmm. ball dress. And they're like, oh, we were in a hurry. It's our fault. And then as they walk away, one of them says, Dottie says she made a real mess. And then the other person replies, I don't know how they manage to break so often. I'm getting tired of it. Yeah. I believe the first one is coming from the man just because the way the shots pose, it makes it look like the respawning dialogue bubble is the woman. Yeah. And as they walk past Camille, we get a ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. And Camille's like, I just met the love of my life. And so she decides to chase after them. Yeah. We have a shot of her just like, eyes all swirly and like lost slash confused her faces just lit up red and she's like chasing the she's like following them behind behind the tents and like 
past some carriages and she's like, I wonder where they're going. I wonder what it'll be. And she's like, oh yeah, they're probably going to perform. That's why they're dressed mm-hmm. up like that. And then the woman turns around to look because she's like, here's somebody behind her and Camille ducks away and she's like, yeah. oh, now it just looks like I'm spying on them. The woman and the man go into a tent and as they're entering the tent, the man asks the woman whose name is Raina, did you remember to bring needle and thread? Yeah. And, and she she's says, like, yeah, of course. Yeah. So they go in the tent and then Camille decides to follow them. She's like, I'll just get their autographs and maybe I'll get lucky and it's just their tra- yeah. their dressing room. I'll get their autographs and then I'll go find Julia. So we see that she has entered the front, entered the back of the tent and we hear someone being like, hold Dottie steady. Ouch. And Dottie was Careful. the high wire woman from earlier. Yeah. We, we, Soak acrobatics and stuff. She's like in one of the cutaway frames. Yeah. They, they were billing her as like the spider lady, basically. Is she because a spider she or is she a woman? Because she has spider-like abilities. But when we see all of them, um, Dottie doesn't have her head attached to her body. She's no. holding it in her hands. Yeah, and it's the strong man, the two masked people, and the high wire woman. Yep. And as Camille enters, she goes, I saw you out there. And then she realizes uh, that Dottie's head. Well, uh, I... And Dottie's like, oh, you poor girl. Mm-hmm. And, and, she... and it's this great shot where she Dottie looks like kind of sad for her and like a bit concerned. But, she's but being, her she's, head is being held in her own hands and there's blood leaking from around her hands. Yeah, and Camille goes, I didn't see anything, and starts to run off. And like, then she gets snatched back inside by Reyna. And as she's laying on the ground, like, covering her head, the man goes, how old are you? And she's like, I'm turning 19 tomorrow. It's my birthday. And he's, he's holding a knife, and he goes, well, it's a pity. You were so young. And he takes his mask off to reveal that he has three eyes. He's <laughs> one of the three-eyed people. Yep, he is indeed an Archon. And a really great use of the scrolling feature here. His cloak is used to like cut to a white. Yeah. Where it if, gives us the name of the comic again mm-hmm. and gives then us the credits. Yeah, the credits. Story but, and like, art by Miriam Bonastrator. You were yeah. right. Color by Eden Marcel Zamora. Editor Mira Hernandez. Proofreader Laura Martinez. Yep. And then I thank you so much for reading. But like, I really like the way the cloak is used because like. Like I've said, there are instances where if someone knows what they're doing, they've been doing it for a while. Because, mm-hmm. like, this isn't Miriam Bonastrator's first thing on Webtoon. Probably yeah, not. You said you've read something by her before. Yes. Um, Hooky, it's... I really enjoy it. And, like, it's successful to the degree that I've seen it at Walmart. Like, that's, a collection of it. That's wild, actually. I mean, it's annoying to me, strictly because I've only seen Volume 2 there. And I want Volume 1. Because I never finished reading it because my phone broke and I got a new phone. I had to reinstall Webtoon. Could not remember where I left off. Now webcomics like, yeah, you can read this, but it's finished. And we're only going to let you read three episodes a day unless you want to pay for coins. And I'm not doing all that. That's a lot that I don't want to do. Yeah, I understand. But as I was saying, the cloak, like if it's something's done really well in the style, like it gives you the notion of like kind of what would be it creates in a, a show or it creates in a, movie. a sense of movement. Yeah, because that is the cloak is like a wipe effect. Like I we know exactly. I think you can agree. If this was in a show, a tuxedo mask like ripples his cloak. Yeah, it's the cloak wiping across the screen would go white or black, and then we'd have changed our scene or ended the episode. Yeah, which is what that does here. But it it does it with like it does it with a still image, but an implied motion. Yeah, it's like the scene the scene where they're going through the circus and we're getting cutouts of the people performing in tents, or even when Camille's following them to their tent because it's the same setup. Yeah, it's it's a lot of implied motion, and it's very I I very much enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I. I'm not a big webtoons person. I mean, yeah. like when, when I'm reading comics on my phone, it's mainly Shonen Jump. Yeah, because I'm binging. Yeah, movies. I lead a role. I 
yeah, I read a lot more comics than I do webtoons, but there are some webtoons I follow, hence why I had the app installed on my phone. But yeah, no, I really enjoyed this. This first episode alone doesn't make me like want to read more. I wouldn't be like, ah, well, I guess I'm reading more. But it's it's good. I, I like the art style. I look like. Like you said, a lot of webtoons that I've seen have like really blank backgrounds and it's just characters or like... Yeah, and, like, I think a lot of it really depends on one, the region of art or the region of the author where they're from their kind of style of like more what they're exposed to and then a lot of it also i think comes down to genre almost because like i told you when we were first looking at this my initial attempt was like looking at horror and thriller like things because i i just vibe with those and i don't think they're well represented enough on the webtoon app so i was thinking maybe one of those yeah makes sense but with horror and thriller generally it's already pretty focused on certain things and you don't do a lot of detail because it's really easy to get lost in that it kind of ruins suspense and stuff yeah and like a lot of like the really good ones that i was coming across were like seemed to be hastily penciled drawings like for the styles like the way the intent it was done yeah okay a lot more line work to it like a more sketch style which definitely doesn't lend itself to that so yeah like i, I just know a lot of webtoons the backgrounds are like mostly like blank white mm-hmm. with maybe some stuff in the foreground and the actual characters or if you have buildings that are like here's this building reference sheet we had yeah mm-hmm. this has like fluid backgrounds that are constantly not moving moving but like constantly moving as you scroll like the backgrounds are different mm-hmm. and changing and it's it's enjoyable in that like it keeps it has a momentum to it yeah and I like that, but it's not enough to make me go, oh, yeah, I'm going to read more of this. Mm-hmm. Understandable. How about yourself? I think I would read more of it just because I really, really like the art style. Like, that's going to be a big sell for me. Okay. But also, I like weird, like, magic. And the description of this does let me know there's going to be magic in it. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, magic Magic's outlawed. We, we know mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And... Like, circus stuff can be fun or bad. I'm not sure which, but I like the character design. I like the world setting. I'm, I'm fine with the magic. And the character writing's been good so far. There's nothing other than that really pulling me in, but I'm interested to read a second episode strictly so I can get more of a vibe for it. Like, this first one's fine, so I'd want to read another one because it's, it's just on the edge of being not enough to take me to continue reading. But it's enough where I'm like, because it's a thing that I'm reading and it doesn't take a lot of time, where I'm just like, I can invest the other... 10 minutes maybe a bit more depending on how well i'm reading it or how detailed the art is to see if i want to continue it if this was a manga which i'm more likely to read on my phone mm-hmm. i probably would be like okay this was a good enough chapter one to make me read chapter two and it's just that i don't engage in webtoons enough that yeah. like i i don't have the sunk cost of already using and paying for the app yeah whereas i pay two dollars a month for shonen jump yeah so and there's no cost to webtoon the way that is yeah but i think the thing is especially with the way webtoon is set up is it's easy enough for me to scroll all the way down to the bottom pull up one more time past the comments and for it to load the next episode and me read it the amount of effort it takes is that low for me that's fair Episode two is seemingly much longer than episode one. Yeah, and episode one was a fairly decent length. That's the other thing I find with webtoons. I'm I read through multiple things before we decide what we're doing for this. And part of the reason we chose this is because the length is enough to have something to talk about. Because webtoons, web comics, sorry, not just webtoons, can vary a lot in length. Obviously, I will say I'm incredibly upset that the episodes don't have names. Same, same. Um, I really enjoy episode names. Yeah. But anyways, onwards to episode two. Yes, which starts with the night has now set. We see stars in the sky and we see Julia running around yelling for Camille, searching for her because she still has not found her. Wonder why. Then she starts worrying that it's getting late and that the last bus is coming soon. And she starts thinking, maybe Camille left without me. Yeah. Which, based on the Camille that we've known, kind of does seem like her a little bit. Yeah, she seems kind of airheaded from the time we've seen, which... From what we discussed of what she said, I understand why you wouldn't think that. 
but the art does the classic like oh look at this shot of just her smiling rosy cheeks sparkles in the background wandering off in a direction uh-huh um but then julia sees Dottie and she's like oh hey excuse me and she starts describing camille and like have you seen this girl and Dottie's like oh yeah the one with the yellow flower in her hair and julia's just like yeah exactly that's her and Dottie's like i saw her get on the bus about an hour ago which there's this great the art for that shot is it's weird to not call things it's weird to call things shots for a comic but it's also what I'm used to doing. The art for that panel, mm-hmm. even though it's not a panel either, is fantastic, though, with the way they've done the shading. It's kind of a panel. Mm-hmm. It's for a like, webcomic. It's yeah. A, yeah. For the way they've done the shading, though, because the background's dark because it's night, and then the shading on the upper part of Dottie's face, and the way her eyes are nice, like a bright yellow amber. It just uh, works really well with the shading. I love it. What I, what I really love about Dottie's character design mm-hmm. is she has all these freckles. Yeah. But, like, on her dress, where, the, where she would have freckles, it's instead sparkles yeah so like you have this like dot pattern across her entire mm. like character which make her name's dotty yeah it just just clicked but like it goes from being freckles to being sparkles yeah. it's really cool i like it a lot honestly i really like the really large variety of different skin tones we have because it makes each character unique and also it's a, a great way to include representation of people yeah and though it adds for such like diverse character and makes people stand out it's fantastic yeah, the the more you can do to make characters like instantly recognizable, mm-hmm. the better I think. Which is why yeah. like mid two thousand shonens, every protagonist has like the craziest hair. Yeah, yeah. It's because you don't even have to like see them; you could just see like a silhouette or a shadow of them, and, and you're like, like oh, I know that hair. That's Sato Kaiba. That's Yuki. Yeah. That's Goku. Yeah, it's also why I never remember like any American sitcom from like two thousand seven to two thousand twelve. It's all the same generic white cast members. <laughs> I feel like you're really dropping some some stuff on Scrubs here. I mean, Scrubs started before that. I'm saying oh. shows that like started in that time frame. Fair, fair. Yeah. Okay, so Julia's really sad, but she ends up getting going on home. the bus and going home. And we cut to the next morning, and Julia's waking up. Well, we have her get ready to go home. We get the Marionetta title card. Yeah, which can still be a title card. Fuck off. And then it's morning. She's I mean, waking up. Other than a, t- I mean, I guess it'd be a title page. Yeah, is but it's not. Mm-hmm. God. The, the, the combination of mediums is so confusing sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then we cut to Julia. It's the morning. She's waking up. Her room has got like a bunch of like handcrafted things in it. Marionettes. Yeah. I wanted to take a moment to kind of describe dolls and the, toys. the town that we see though. On the top shelf of her bookshelf is a mushroom cap hat. Mm-hmm. Very similar to the one she was wearing in the start of episode one. Yeah. You wanted to describe the, the town? Yeah. Because like, okay. I am very, very American, obviously. What? Yeah, crazy, right? But, like, it gives kind of, like, the idea of an Italian villa, like, It's insane. It's insane because I was literally thinking, Italian villa. Yeah, but, like, they're not really villas, but it gives the vibe. Yeah. We got cobblestone streets as well. We also see two military people walking down, but they're in an area of mountains and such, and, like, it's heavily green. It's just like a weirdly European setting, but it feels slightly off from that as well. Yeah. So then we get to Julia, her room that I just described mm-hmm. already. She makes her bed. We see a dressed. framed photo of her and assumedly Camille yeah. by her bed. Also, she's like got like a nightdress and a nightcap. Mm-hmm. She gets dressed, ties her hair back, and is like, perfect, let's go to work. Mm-hmm. She wraps her bag in the present she made for Camille, which we don't get to see what it is because it's in a box. I am assuming, though, it is... 
because she has like all those puppets hanging in her room. Yeah. And the present is in a bag on a table, which we see has like the remains of wood carvings and it has a knife. And a, a wood carving knife. knife. I assume it's something she's carved for her. And she has like a couple baskets in her room that are just filled with like, like not like full on like logs, but like decent sized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I assume she's carved her like some marionette of some sort. And she's getting ready to leave, and she's like, good morning, Dad. And her dad is a soldier. Yep. And he's like, are you leaving already? She, no, she asks him if he's leaving already. Yeah, and he, he talks about how he has to take some three eyes, which I like the way the writing has bolded this to, like... And italicized. Bolded mm-hmm. and italicized three Which eyes. lets us know the impact on it, which, in my mind, like, I can hear him saying it as a slur, which is uncomfortable, but I, I hear it in my brain, if you know what I mean. He is a cop. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he he's military, but... Yeah, but, it, I mean, they're just cops, still. A cab, even in fantasy. Uh, yeah but he is like wait what time did you even get home last night i never heard you come in and she's like oh well i went to the circus uh, and he's like you went to the circus like first he's upset about it but like but he also yeah, is he's like, like the circus is only for slackers and then like he realizes she seems like slightly upset or put off by mm-hmm. just everything and he's like do you have fun and she goes no and he's like uh-huh exactly well, um no 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 it is like dread art style of, like ugh or disgust that you get in like manga and stuff yeah and we have a text that just says ha 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 and it's his face looking delighted about the fact that she didn't have fun. He also, in this conversation, tells her to stay away from three-eyed people mm-hmm. because they're superstitious and they believe in ghosts and things like that. Yeah, and she's like, I would have never go near them anyways. Like, what the fuck? Do you, who, who do you think I am? And you've raised a very racist daughter. Obviously, I'm good. You've, you've raised a racist stick in the mud of a daughter. Yeah. Obviously. And he's like, well, I'm going now. Have a good day. And she goes, you too. And then we have our first inner monologue. Well, not really. We had Camille with the whole, oh my God, I think I just met the love of my well, life thing. Okay, so not like inner monologue, but inner monologue framing panels instead of in the panels. Monologue framing story? Yeah. And she's like, dad's right. He should be upset. I shouldn't have gone to that circus. Look how everything turned out. I had to come home all alone. Yeah. Da, 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 da. And then she's like, man, I can't believe Camille stood me up and, and left me there. I'm going to scold her when I see her. And then she's like can't it's her birthday tomorrow though but oh man tomorrow she in for it basically and then julia gets to the bus stop and she's like wait where's camilla she normally beats me here she's like did she oversleep she probably overslept she she gets on the bus and she's like maybe camilla overslept and then she gets to work and she's like i'm sure she'll be here eventually yeah and work is well so first of all when we see the factory here because we see it from the outside closer one we see they have like a uniform for Every uniform goes to a Kalgrot soldier. Do your part. You know, very heavy-handed propaganda, basically. Yeah. But we also see on the flag a badge, which is a crest that was the same as the badge that the Akan was wearing on the bus. Yeah. So the way they just handle these people in this country, at the very least, is to strap their symbol, the symbol of their own country, onto these people that they are subjugating. And, like, that's kind of fucked, yo. But in, when we get inside of the building, it's very much like World War One era type of like factory sweatshop. There's a bunch of women stand, sitting at individual sewing machines with pedals. and Yeah, it's like very, they scream to me like singer pedal sewing machines. Yeah. And Julia has an open seat next to her and she's like, she'll be here any minute now. And then she realizes, oh, she's just not coming today. And it's like, maybe something bad happened to her. And then she's like, no, that circus girl saw her get on the bus. And then she's leaving work and she's like, I'm sure it's nothing. It's, I'm just being paranoid. She'll show up to work tomorrow. No problem. And then she's like, wait, but actually she was acting weird yesterday. She didn't want to go home. Like, 
What if something's wrong? I, I can't take it anymore. She turns around in a rush to tear off somewhere. And immediately and, bumps into another woman and they both fall to the ground. Mm-hmm. And the other woman's like, what are you doing, Julia? And it's Mrs. Bernard. Which is Camille's mother. Mm-hmm. Who was just on her way to Julia's place. And Julia is immediately like, how's Camille? Is she sick? Why didn't she come to work today? And Ms. Bernard is like, I thought she stayed the night at your place. That's why I was coming to visit. Like, I, where it, you know where she is? And then Julia's like, well, she was upset when we left work yesterday and didn't really want to go home. And her mom's like, well, you know how she gets when we mention a suitor coming around. She just doesn't want to hear a single word about it, even though she's supposed to be married in only a year. Like, she's a year out from needing to be marriageable. And then her mom's like, wait, do you think she ran away with a man? And like, just pure, like, astoundment. I don't think that's a word, but I've said it from Julia being like, what? No, of course not. Yeah. And then Julia's like, wait, I have an idea where she might be. I'm going to go get her back. I'll get her back, Miss Bernard. And like, tears out of town. Yeah. yeah on, her, on her bike. And she's like tearing out of town. And she's like, you wouldn't, Camille, in her monologues, she's like, Camille, you wouldn't leave with a man, but with a circus. Of course you would run away with them. And she, she's pedaling up this cliff mm-hmm. and hoping it's not too late because if you remember last night was the last night of the circus in town. But as she crests this hill on this cliff face, we get this shot of like rolling planes in between these mountains mm-hmm. and the circus is like on an entire moving platform with wheels and engines. And it's like, like a very giant. Oh, it's like a moving city. What is that? What was that series? I, I know. That's what I'm trying to think. My brain's on it. My and brain just wants to say house, but it's nothing it's not like house. house. But like the the sh- the thing I'm thinking of, it's even a steam powered thing, which this appears to be very steam powered. It's like giant steam powered moving city, like Mech Fortress, the moving city, or something. I don't remember, but the, yeah. it's a giant city on like big treads and moving wheels. along. Seems to be steam powered, and yeah, the circus is just on a giant. And so tank, Julia's basically. yelling, "Camille, I know you're there!" And like she's on a cliff face above the circus mm-hmm. pedaling. And we see that uh, Dottie is the one apparently driving the circus. And she goes, oh, Bob, look at that. And Bob is the strong man from earlier. Yeah. And Julie's still just yelling, my friend's in there. There's been a mistake. And Bob's like, girl, this is dangerous. Stay away. And she's like, my friend, give me my friend back. I'm going to report you all if you don't. And then Bob notices that uh, Julie is not looking where she's going. And she is biking towards the edge of a cliff. And my favorite part about all of this is the pure difference in the dichotomy of the way <laughs> Dottie and Bob are Dottie's acting. like leaning with her hand on her head with hand and like resting on the windowsill of the driving area. She seems like, all calm. She's, she's like, like, she's going to kill herself. And Bob's just hands up to his head yelling in like pure fear and shock. She's, she's going, going to kill herself. herself. Yeah. And he's yelling for her to watch out. And Julia is like, what? Hits a rock and goes flying over the edge of the cliff. We get Dottie and Bob's facial reactions. Giant, Bob is freaking out. Dottie looks mildly interested. A giant crash. And then we see a bit of Julia on the ground, the present, mm-hmm. the bike handlebar. We get a creak, creak, creak. And, and we she's get like, a giant looming tread. Well, she's, she, yeah. And she's like holding her head. She's like, my head. And then the creak grows louder. And we get this, again, brilliant use yeah. of the scrolling on the, on, the, on the camera. Coming down from the top of the big tent, we see a ticket sign, steps leading down, and then these big, giant, like, five floodlights then just this wall of like sheet still and then the tread that itself looks to be half the size of everything else just coming right towards her and like she's like first she's like what and then she's like oh no as it dawns in her face and we just the the entire time we've been getting this like creak sound effect Mm -hmm. and and it's taking up more and more of the screen and it just takes the entire screen up after she's like i'm going to be crushed 
before fading into black. And then the very bottom of the black, a little tiny blue dragon sea slug with like the whiskers of like a Chinese dragon. And like a golden aura around it. And then Julia's eyes have changed from like their normal color to like this blue and pink and they're kind of shattered. I would say that it looks like waves crashing through her irises. Yeah. And she's obviously got tears pouring off her face. And then like she's sweat. Maybe sweat. And then she's like in this multicolored facet of clouds. And she's like, huh? We're like, where am I? It's just pure transcendental imagery. If that makes any sense when I say that. And that's the end of the episode. It goes white. We get Marinetta, mm-hmm. title card, and credits. And that's the end. I Just to say, I love the little blue dragon sea slug. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize what it was. Because one, it's not like the bright electric blue that they actually are. Yeah, it's like a blue with a little bit of pink. And it's the same color as her eyes in that panel. Yeah, that and panel. like we're in this weird transcendental space. I was just like, that's a weird creature. It's all cool. And then you're like, it's a blue dragon sea slug. And I was like, wait, what? Oh, <laughs> shit, you're right. You yeah. were asking me what I thought about the, yeah. the webcomic. And I was like... I really like the blue dragon yeah, yeah, yeah. sea slug. You're like, I you're like, I would call it more like a like a snake or something, like, like a, a flying fish snake. And I was like, no, 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 it's a blue dragon sea slug. And I just pulled up a picture of a blue dragon yeah, sea like, slug, and it's literally that with whiskers. Yeah, like I kind of just forgot they were sea slugs. Like I know blue dragons are an actual thing. I just forgot they're actually called blue dragon sea slugs. Yeah. So my brother was like, "What? There are why, dor- why are you confu- Why are you fusing these two things? They're adorable and deadly." Yeah. Anyways, that's the end of episode two. Justice, what are your thoughts on Marionetta? So like I said, episode one left me in the space of like, I'm not sure if I would really, like, I'm not sure if there's enough to keep me reading it. Like, I would just because the ease of access to go to the next episode is there. But like, if it didn't pick up a lot, I probably would just be like, eh, it's fine. I like the art. It's cool. But yeah, I don't care enough to continue reading. This episode changes that. This episode is just like, and now let's ratchet attention. It'll be fun. And we get more for like kind of just showing how militant this world is. But also our main, our assumedly main character just died, but didn't die and i'm now intrigued also like there's the whole effect that Dottie is headless but not yeah they sew her head back on yeah so like she's a living marionette like that's is well like it's the fact that Dottie is dead it's some way connected to the fact that our main character is dead but not dead like is that gonna be a whole thing or are we going to be dealing with like i hadn't tied that together that all the magical zombies or like is it just the fact that she's strictly magical and we're gonna find out that like some weird magic is going on with julia Look, I, I can tell you right now, I'd read more, but exclusively for one reason. Yep. Blue dragon jellyfish. <laughs> sea slug. Yeah, blue, sorry, blue dragon sea slug. jellyfish. Yeah, it, it eats jellyfish. That's how it's deadly. It, it eats manowars and then excretes the toxic spikes of manowars out of its body. Yeah, but after episode two, I would definitely read more. I'm intrigued, and I like the art style a lot still, obviously. Yeah, and there's there's a giant, there's a blue dragon sea slug that is like pivotal, like MacGuffin going forward. Yeah. Like, obviously, I'm sure. like, mm, yep, gotta, gotta know what this is. Look, okay, so I like blue dragon, like sea slugs don't get enough love in general. Sea bunnies are an enemy in Voice of Cards, which is yeah, hilarious. Yeah. Voice of Cards is a great RPG by Square Enix. But in general, sea slugs don't get enough love. And they're like literally ounce for ounce, gram for gram, the cutest animals in the entirety of the world. Yeah, I would agree. They're really adorable. But as far as this goes, is that legitimately the only reason that you would read more? Or I, I mean, it is a large reason because like I, I saw the blue dragon sea slug in those final panels and I was like, wee! just enough serotonin hit to be like i'll click to the next chapter yeah like i am also intrigued by dotty and like i like them like moving circus thing yeah i I really love like the aesthetic of it all is just very nice yeah but like it is the blue dragon sea slug that is like 100 percent gonna pull me into the next chapter because the next episode because i i just saw it i was like so adorable so literal deadly (laughs) (laughs) you touch it you die yeah 
That's true. Also, that that is true. You touch it, you die, and it is literally there just as she assumedly dies. Yeah. You know, metaphors. Yeah. Anyways, I think we're both agreeing we'd read more. Mm -hmm. You can find Marionetta for free on Webtoons, which is an app available on the iOS and Android app stores. It's also available on... Browser, I believe. Yes, just Webtoon. And this is, again, called Marionetta, spelled like it sounds. Mm -hmm. Also, as will be the title of this episode. That's true, too. Uh, If you want to reach out to us, you could do so in a variety of manners. Namely, we got a Twitter, we've got a Hive, we don't have a Blue Sky yet because nobody's given us an invitation, we don't have a Mastodon because we don't understand how it works, but anywhere you want to find us, we're at Copilot's Review, that's Twitter and Hive, and we're at copilotsreview at gmail.com, that's our email. You can find a link to that and to our Twitter at the very least by going to copilotsreview.simplecast.com, which has also links to our Discord, our YouTube, which is severely out of date, and I don't know why I felt the need to plug that, and our Patreon and Discord, which I already think I said Discord, but you should check the Discord anyways. And if you want to leave a review somewhere and let us know what you think of the show, we will read those reviews out and shout you out. It's also just really beneficial to get more people to see. Yeah, if you if you want to help us out, but not give us money because we don't post a lot of Patreon content because we're terrible about both having working lives and podcasting lives yeah but if you want to give us a little bit of support feel free to write a review and tell your friends about co-pilots this podcast will review the first two episodes of things and things aren't always tv shows yeah it's just as long as it has episodes but we want to thank you this ha- this does mark the start of year four of co-pilots yeah it's fucking crazy man so thank you a lot and again, big shout out to Jack's Gameface, twitch.tv backslash Jack's Gameface, who did our intro music for this episode and our outro music for this episode and the intro and outro music going forward. Yep. He makes amazing music. He's he is just fun streamer to watch. Genuinely cool guy. Got a great community. Mm-hmm. Honestly, just like one of the most vibiest, like relaxing Twitch communities I've seen ever. Also, he has a couple songs on Spotify and one of them was yep. my top five songs of last year. Yeah. Occupation Baby. He didn't tell us to shout that one out, but I'm going to. I love Occupation Baby. Yeah. It's only got he's only got a couple songs under that name, but they're both goaded. So again, we just want to thank you for coming along with us on this ride for the last three years. Yep. Over a thousand days of producing podcast content. Thank you for flying with us, and please fly again soon. For another thousand days. Or more. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs>